0: This afternoon we will finish for the meantime our series in Exodus and we will begin a new series starting October. The title of the sermon today is what makes God's grace so amazing. And Philip Yancey wrote a book entitled What's so amazing about grace. So today I hope that we will all fall in love with the Lord even more. In 1779, John Newton wrote this song which we have been singing for the past 300 years. And it's a beautiful song, and it has been used by many movies as part of their uh, musical background. And because of the beauty of its content, similar songs were composed and are now being also sung by contemporary churches. These songs include Amazing Grace, and then Chris Tomlin added, My Chains Are Gone. And then Sinners Say by Grace, by Bill Geither, Grace by Michael W. Smith, Your Grace is Enough, Glorious Day Living, He Loved Me. And uh, Phil Wickham also wrote a, a song entitled This is amazing grace, and I love the chorus. This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. So i like all of us to visit Exodus 32 and 33 so we will appreciate what this grace is all about. In verse 1 of Exodus 33, The Lord spoke to Moses, Depart go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. Up to that point, it's a beautiful uh, reading, but the next statement is uh, saddening. God said to them, My angel will go before you, but I will not go up in your midst. What? God will bring them to the promised land, but he will not go up with them? How come? And then Moses, a uh, true Moses, the Lord said, Because you are an obstinate people. The Hebrew word for obstinate can also be translated stubborn, stiff necked, difficult uh, people who are not learning any lesson. And why will not God accompany them? God said I might destroy you on the way. Wow. Wow. Why did the Lord call them obstinate people? Why will the Lord want to destroy them? If you will go back to uh, Exodus, after they went out of Egypt, while they were being pursued by the Egyptians, and they were before the sea. They were grumbling against Moses. And they said, Did you bring us to this place because we lack graves in Egypt? And then, of course, we know the story God opened the sea so that they walk in dry ground, and then the Egyptians all drowned after them. Now, after the Lord led them through the dry ground, they had a party, they were celebrating. But then after three days, they were thirsty. They found bitter water on the way. And again, they complained and grumbled against Moses. So the Lord showed them a tree and told Moses to throw the tree into the bitter water and it became sweet. And there was even a bonus After they drank from that water, God led them to Elim. And in Elim, they camped. And there were 12 springs in Elim. And there were even 70 date palms. But when they were getting hungry, they complained again. That God brought them to the wilderness to kill them of hunger. So what did the Lord do? He rained them, and that's where we get the name of our church, Bread from Heaven. Of course, that referred to the manna that was found in their ground every morning for six days for the next 40 years. And they were also given quail meat to eat at night. Kaya ayo mga na sila. But when they were in Repidim, Repidim is between Sin and Sinai, they were starting to get thirsty again. They forgot about God providing them water. They again complained. And you know the story, God told Moses to strike the rock and from the rock, water came forth. So after those events, God continued to manifest his grace upon his people. In Exodus 17, they won their first war against the Amalekites in the wilderness. In Exodus 18, God sent Jethro to Moses to teach him how to lead the 2 to 3 million people efficiently. So we hear about Jethro principle. And then in Exodus 19 to 24, Israel was encamped before Mount Sinai, and there God married, had covenant with Israel. And uh, God gave them the Ten Commandments and other details of the covenant relationship. And then in Exodus 25 to 31, God gave Moses instruction regarding building of the tabernacle and the furnishing. And in the last verse of top chapter 31 this is amazing God on top of Mount Sinai gave Moses two tablets of stone with the handwriting of God of the original 10 commandments wow can you imagine kung hindi na high blood si Moses we will know God's handwriting <laughs> So while Moses was there on top of the mountain interacting with God, you know, many of the Israelites got impatient. And they said, what has happened to this guy? We don't know. So they forced Aaron to make them a god in Exodus chapter 32. So they they. Aaron got the articles of gold and he made the golden calf and then the Israelites offered sacrifices. They were singing, dancing, and playing. And they said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Why will they do that? Why will they they build and worship a calf? Well, because they were still affected by the Egyptians. In the Egyptians, their gods were half human and half animals. So on top of the mountain, the Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people, and behold, they are an obstinate people. Leave me alone, that my anger may burn against them, that I may destroy them and Moses I will make you a great nation if you are Moses what would you do there is an offer from God you have been leading these people and they kept on grumbling and complaining and then now is an opportunity God is saying I will destroy them and Moses I will make you a great nation well, if we were Moses, maybe we would avail of the offer, but not Moses. What happened? Moses knew that he was very undeserving as God's servant. Yet by the grace of God, God called him to lead his people out of Egypt and bring them to the from Islam. So Moses was God's mediator. Moses was God's instrument of deliverance. So when God was very disappointed with his people, Moses interceded for them. And look at the prayer of Moses. I hope we can pray like this. <laughs> oh Lord, why does your anger burn against your people? And by the way, Lord, I am not the one who brought them out of the land of Egypt. It was you. You brought them out from the land of Egypt with great power and with mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians speak saying with evil intent, he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to destroy them from the face of the earth? And look at the petition of Moses. Turn from your burning anger. Can you imagine Moses saying to God, Cool, And look at the next statement: Change your mind. Woo. Woo. Change your mind about doing harm to your people. Remember, Abraham, Isaac, Israel, your servants to whom you swore by yourself and said. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens. All these lands which I have spoken, I will give to your descendants. They shall inherit forever. Now you will kill them? What do you think God did after hearing that intercession? In verse 14, The Lord changed his mind. I thought the Lord is not changing his mind. I thought if this is the mind of God, then that is it. You can never change it. Well, you can never change it by yourself, but God provided ways and means how his will can be accomplished. The Lord changed his mind. In some translation, in Genesis, the Lord repented. The Lord relented. The Lord felt sorry. But here in verse 14 of Exodus 32, the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. You know, that's the power of intercession. That's the power of prayer. And many of us are not using it. We would rather manipulate people and circumstances instead of praying to God. There was a time 2 Chronicles 7, 13, 14 was popular in the Philippines in the first Edsa Revolution. There it says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will heal their land. So the destiny of the nation is not really in the hands of leaders. The destiny of the nation is in the hands of God's people. Because God's people can pray to the God who can direct the hearts of leaders and change their ways. So we have two options when we are confronted with political crisis in the country. Option number one is to go to the streets or bear arms in the mountains. But the other option is to pray and repent as a people. But I'm just one. We are just a small group. You know, in our Bibles, Daniel and his friends were only four. Esther and Mordecai were only two. Joseph was only one in Egypt. Yet God used them to turn around the destinies of their countries. The Lord is answering the intercession of his appointed mediator and that was Moses that's why when Moses was recalling this story in Deuteronomy and they were already on the edge of the promised land he said I was afraid of the anger and half displeasure with which the Lord was wrathful against you in order to destroy you so when Moses was praying that prayer he was scared He was afraid that the anger and displeasure of God will destroy the people. But look at that beautiful statement. But the Lord listened to me that time also. Wow. That's one of the blessings of grace. That though Moses was a fugitive, he was a murderer, and he was not a perfect person, Yet when he prayed and availed of the grace of God, this God listened to him. And God was also about to destroy Aaron because Aaron was the one who built the golden calf. But look, Moses said, I also prayed for Aaron. And Aaron was not destroyed. So my dear fellow brethren in Breadcombe QC. Do not underestimate what you and your prayer can do. Second, expression of God's grace in this story. So si God not back off. Okay, I'll not destroy the people. Si Moses naman ang high blood it came about, as soon as Moses came near the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger burnt. At dahil lagalit siya, anong ginawa niya? He threw the tablets from his hand and shattered them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf which they had made, burned it with fire, ground it into powder, and scattered it over the surface of the water, and made the sons of Israel drink it. You know, when I was reading this story, I can just imagine Jesus in John chapter 2, when he entered the temple, and he saw the people, instead of praying, he saw the people, you know, changing money, buying, you know, birds and uh, animals for the temple, and Jesus had a high blood pressure. And you know what he did. So here, instead of God himself dealing with the people, now it has to be Moses. So he destroyed the golden calf. But look at the purpose why he did it. In Exodus 32, 27, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Every man of you put his sword upon his thigh, Go back and forth from gate to gate in the camp. Uh Uh-uh. Kill? Every man his brother, every man his friend, every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did as Moses instructed and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Then Moses said, Dedicate yourselves to the Lord for every man has been against his son and brother. Why? In order that he may bestow a blessing upon you today. When God chastised his people, it is not, he was not intending to destroy them just like that. He had a purpose. Because God, who is holy, is dwelling in the camp of Israel, of course, he wanted them to be also holy. And when something is not aligned with his holiness, it has to be removed. So 3,000 people were removed. (gasps) That's unfair. Well, we have a righteous judge who can see the hearts of men rightly. And he knew what was in their hearts. By the way, when Israel went out of Egypt, they were not only Israelites. There were many other slaves who came from other nations. And because the Israelites went out, they took it also as an opportunity for them to be freed. So don't imagine that in the redeemed people of Israel in the wilderness, it was only Israel. No, there were other people. And why will you discipline? Look at the last statement in order that he may bestow a blessing upon you today. If we are not disciplining to smoothen interpersonal relationships, that's our option. But what about God's feelings? Moses felt the feeling of God. He has interceded, and God did not pour out his wrath. But when Moses saw what was happening, he exercised discipline. 3,000 died. Well, it would have been, it it was better because if God did it, it will be 100,000 who will perish on that way. And then the next day, Moses said to the people, you know, I wish Pastor Nomer and our elders and our deacons can do this. On the next day, Moses said to the people, you yourselves have committed what? A great sin. Very straightforward. Moses will not go around the bush. You yourselves have committed a great sin, but look at the motivation of Moses. Now I am going up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sins. He was not there to embarrass the people. He was correcting them, admonishing them with the purpose of taking them out of their situation. And then this one is very amazing. Moses returned to the Lord and look at the prayer. Two sentences. Alas, these people had committed the great sin. They have made a God of gold for themselves. Look at the next statement. But now, if you will, forgive their sin. If not, please, blot me out from your book which you have Written. Can we do that? Can we say that? Lord, forgive them from their sins, but if you will not forgive them, Lord, blot me out from your book which you have written. That's the heart of a spiritual leader. He will not look at people as they are below and during critical times he will abandon them. Moses corrected them, rebuked them but his heart was for them. You know I love one of our interviews to our intern pastor And the elders of Bredko Mandaluyong said to this pastor, why will we get you as intern pastor? We already have two. I was really waiting what he will say. And you know what he said? Well, it's up to you, but me, I am willing to die for the people in our community to serve them. So our elders got it. <laughs> you know it's one thing to look at your ministry as a job it's another thing to look at it as something entrusted to you by God himself and you are willing to to give your life for it so the Lord corrected his people through Moses the mediator The third expression of God's grace in this story. Now Moses used to take the tent, pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. Everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about whenever Moses went out to the tent, that all the people would arise and stand, each at the entrance of his tent, and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Why? Why were they gazing upon Moses? Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance and the Lord would speak with Moses. Wow! Wow! And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship, each at the entrance of his tent. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speak to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant, the son of Nun, Joshua, a young man would not depart from the camp. You know, when I was a, when I was a young pastor and a professor in ATF, I would accumulate books like crazy. I love to read commentaries and exegetical books and many others. And there was a time I think I have accumulated 2,000 major reference books. But my problem when I read those books because I I study straight like 4 to 8 hours straight Is you only get so little. But when I go to my table and prayerfully read the Word of God again and again, I read, I discovered many things scholars who are knowledgeable with Old Testament and New Testament are not seeing. It's amazing. it's a wonderful privilege. I hope you will have that when you are doing your quiet time. When the Lord will speak to you in a very personal way, like that verse 11, speaking to Moses face to face, just as a man speak to his friend. There was a time, preaching to me was a scary, scary task. You know, just to preach one sermon Every Sunday, it's really taxing. And then you have prayer meeting, you will speak again. And then you have Bible study. And to confess to you, there are times when you are sleeping in your dreams, your tensions are coming out. You know, I find in my dream, I am preaching on with Barong Tagalog. Tapos naka Baxter Shorts lang. <laughs> Many times I'm preaching and then I will realize that my shoes are not in the the right pairs. And in some occasions I, I am so prepared and then when I begin to preach, my notes are gone. You know, I left them behind. So, so many tensions. And as a young pastor, you're indirect goal is your sermon next Sunday will be much better than the sermon last Sunday and I don't know whether that's the expectation of the people but that is my expectation from myself until one day you know I was one of the faculty in ATS who had my own computer that's another story so I I have all my sermons and lecture notes in uh, my files and my files packed up so I lost all my sermons I went to Green Hills <laughs> to recover the files and they couldn't I cried I cried and while I was there crying in the office the Lord spoke to my mind why are you crying I said, I lost so many years of work. And then the impression in my, my, in my mind and heart was, why cannot I give you better ones? So now, yes, I still get tired when I prepare, but if the Lord's speaking to you every day, you have a message to preach every day. But if you are only preparing for one Sunday, what happens On the sixth days, are you hearing from God? Are you speaking to God? When I evaluate preachers, yes, 50% is what they preach and how they preach. But when I look at them and listen to them, in my mind, my question is, before he speaks here in front of us, has he spoken first with God? That's why my favorite preacher is a pastor who has not finished high school in Santa Cruz, Laguna. And even if I am well educated, I would sit down when I'm in Santa Cruz, Laguna in their Sunday service just to listen. Because I knew in my mind and heart this pastor has spoken with God before he preached in the pulpit. So that's a manifestation of grace when the Lord will send us people whom He has spoken to before those people speak to us. Number four, the Moses said to the Lord, See? Si Moses kung kaisapin niya ang God, parang ano lang eh, parang barkada. Diba sinabi mo sa akin, Bring up these people? But you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Parang si God pinapaalalahanan palagi ni Moses. And then look at the first blessing Moses was asking from him. Now therefore, I pray if I have found, in my translation, favor, the Hebrew word is hen. And it means grace. If I have found grace in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you so that I may find favor in your sight even more. Consider too that this nation is your people. Lord, if I will guide these people, you have to give me the grace to know you and your way so that I can do what you have tasked me to do. And then second, and he said, Okay, Moses, my presence shall go with you. Remember earlier, God said, My presence shall not go with you. But because of prayer, Moses' intercession, Moses talking to God, God changed his mind. And he said, Okay, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Ito na naman, Moses again. Then he said to God, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. Because what is the promised land? What is the land flowing with milk and honey if you are not there with us? How then can it be known that I have found grace in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your presence with us, so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are on the face of the earth. You know what makes this statement beautiful, my dear brethren? is It is now telling us, as far as God is concerned, what is the most important thing you and I and our church should have. Because if our most important thing are number huge building, air-conditioned with all the high-tech facilities. Those are blessings. But if God isn't there, what is it? So what distinguishes God's people from the rest of the people in the world is simple, His presence. And that's the only thing God promised to His people when they said, go make disciples of all nations, Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always till the end of the age. If God is with us, if God is for us, we have nothing to be scared about. So that's the second blessing Moses asked God. The first one is to know you and your ways. The second is have your presence and then because Moses was building up momentum in his intimacy with God he prayed something that no one has prayed before he said to God I pray you show me your glory whoa and you know what God said he was on a bind and he said to Moses okay I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And what's the name? I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, Moses, you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. So Moses was asking for something that even angels are afraid to do. You know, in the vision of Isaiah of the heavenly court, the angels have wings and they cover their faces because of the glory of God is so amazing. It is brighter than the brightest sun during the high noon. So God said to Moses, yes and no. Then the Lord said to him, Okay, there is a place by me. You stand there on the rock. It will come about while my glory is passing by. I will put you in the cleft space on the rock, cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back but my face shall not be seen so when people said i have seen god you know that's a hyperbole well you have seen the manifestations of god we will not question that but to see god in his fullness why are you still alive so moses the mediator was asking God to pour out his blessings, not just for him, but for his people, that they will know him and his ways, that God will be with them, and then the third, that God will show them his glory. So what was amazing about God's grace during the time of Moses in the wilderness? One, the Lord spared the stubborn people through the intercession of Moses his appointed mediator. Number two, he corrected his stubborn people through Moses. Number three, the Lord spoke to his stubborn people through Moses. And number four, the Lord poured out his blessing to his stubborn people through his appointed mediator, Moses. Our sermon could have been finished at that point. But no, these stories are not given to us to highlight Moses. Moses. Before we move to the bigger story, I'd like to share to you three other concrete manifestations of grace. One, despite the stubbornness of the people, do you remember the Lord is still committed to bring them to the land flowing with milk and honey? Number two, despite the statement that the Lord will not go with them, the Lord will still send an angel to go with them. And number three, Despite that there will be many enemies in the promised land, the Lord promised, I will drive them out before you. So that's how powerful the grace of God is for his people. His grace is sufficient. Now let's move to the bigger story. God's grace is much more amazing to God's appointed mediator in our time. And his name is Jesus. We are saved from judgment of God through his sacrificial work on the cross and intercession before God's throne. On the cross, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they are doing. And then in Romans 8.34, after he went up to heaven, what is Jesus doing there now? He is interceding for you and me. So even if the pastors and elders forget to pray for you, somebody does not. He continues to make intercession for us. In John 5 24, this mediator said, I assure you, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me has eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. I like that statement. God's grace is free, but it is not cheap. It costs Jesus his life. And I always mention this in Redcom the acronym for grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Chris Tomlin added in the song Amazing Grace this beautiful uh, chorus My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. Jesus did not only save us, Jesus is shaping our lives by His Word and by the work of our Savior. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So that process of being transformed every day is being accomplished by Jesus and His Spirit. And He also gave His life, His example. And I like to use this because it's very important for us. You have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in His steps. He committed no sin, no deceit found in His mouth, While being reviled, what does it say? He did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. He kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. He himself bore our sins on the body on the cross so that we may die to sin and live to righteousness. You know, my dear brethren, as Christians, we need to be prepared to live a life like this. We are not only called to be saved. There are times we may have to suffer and sacrifice. And when we do, let us not complain. Let us not utter threats. Let us not revile. Let us not give people what they deserve. Because grace is giving people what they don't deserve. Blessings. So we are being shaped by the word of God and by the work of Jesus I like this statement, I'm not the man I ought to be. I am not the man I wish to be. And I am not the man I hope to be. But by the grace of God, I am not the man I used to be. So when you have a relationship with Christ, change will happen in our lives. Grace does not free us to sin, God's grace frees us from sin. We can never use the grace of God as an excuse or license to keep on sinning because we have been freed from it. Number three, we are able to fellowship with God, speak to Him spirit to spirit through the word and spirit of Jesus. Jesus said to His disciples, Do you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative. But the Father abiding in me does his works. So when we are reading the words of Jesus, when we are reflecting on his word, you know, it comes from the Father, and the Father is using that word to work in and through our lives. And then in John 14, 26, Jesus said, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. He will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. My dear fellow Christians, if you had been in the Lord for three years or more, You should be reading the Bible already by yourself. You should be discovering already the riches God has in store for you in His Word. If you have been a Christian for three years or more, when you have a problem, instead of going to somebody else to help you in your problem, you have the capacity to address that problem You have the spirit of God. You have the word of God already with you. So you only go to counselors, to pastors, and to elders when you really do not know or when you're needing confirmation or when you want to be backed up with prayer. But to know God's will, how long will it take, said Isaiah, for a dog to know his master? Or for a cat, to know his uh, owner? How long? Okay, Ati Eva, how long does it take for your dog to know you? Your voice? Huh? Huh? How many? Weeks. Weeks. You know what God is saying to Israel? I have been with you all these years, more than 400 years, and you still don't know me? Kuya Sam, how many calls in the telephone do I need to, you know, to call you so that you know my voice at the other end? One lamb Sabihin na natin three. But many of us are praying. And still we don't discern whether God is hearing us or whether God is talking to us. And we always have our relationship with God mediated through someone else. I pray that in the years to come, not years, months to come, here in Breadcombe, Quezon City, each one of us will have that beautiful fellowship where we can speak to God word for word and we can sense His Spirit, Spirit to Spirit. And we should not be scared because the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. He will remind us even the sermons, the quiet time we did in the past that will help us in our situation. The fourth one, with Christ as our mediator, sorry for using this word, but it is true, we are super blessed. Super blessed. And many times, like the disciples of Jesus, they didn't realize how super blessed they are. Look at Thomas. He said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And then Philip came into the picture. Lord, and here is the exact prayer of Moses, Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. Here, Philip was saying to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough. Meaning, our faith will really be 100% if you will show us the Father. And Jesus said to Philip, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. You know, we cannot see the Father in his fullness and live. So the Father sent his Son so that through him we can see the Father and not die. Jesus has the heartbeat of God. Jesus has the face of God. Can you imagine that grace? That's why Moses, I believe, was so happy during the transfiguration when he saw the glory of Jesus together with Elijah. John Newton, who wrote the song Amazing Grace, when he was getting old, although my my memory is fading, I remember two things very early, and those two things he will not forget. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great savior. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great savior. You know, when we have a relationship with Christ, you know, the unending love of God, the amazing grace of God, will be like a flood. It will be like pouring rain into our lives. Paul said in Ephesians 1.3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with or we belong to Jesus. If Christians will know what this means, I think this is one of the best antidote against distress and depression. Many of us are distressed and depressed because of the pressures, because of things that are being taken away from us, our health, our strength, our relationship but you have a relationship that will never be taken away from you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So when you have the Lord who will never leave you and forsake you, and when you have a person and that person is deciding to leave you, will you commit suicide? Will you commit suicide? But pastor, siguro hindi ka na fall in love. Hindi mo how I feel. So, has this person become your God? That you will give up your life for that person? Whereas there is another person who loved you, gave himself up for you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you? And you have forgotten that reality? You know, we are super blessed. And we are not super blessed only in Romans 8.37. We are hooper hyper super-conquerors. So if you are a Christian and you always succumb to temptation and fall into temptation, maybe the problem is not that you are weak. Maybe you have not really appropriated the power of the love of God. Paul said, we are more than conquerors because of him who loved us. So we are super blessed. Why is our Lord Jesus a much better mediator and dispenser of God's grace than Moses? Well, because Jesus was God in the beginning, He became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw His his glory. The glory that He had with the Father as the only begotten Son of God. And He is not 90% gracious. No, He is full of grace and truth or faithfulness. From His fullness, we have all received, no grace upon grace. The New Living Translation and the Living Bible translated it as from His fullness, we have all received blessing upon blessing. Mula sa kanyang kapuspusan, tayong lahat ay tatanggap ng patong-patong na pagpapala. Umaawas na pagpapala. The law, yes, was given through Moses, but grace or blessing, favor, and truth, they came through Jesus Christ no one has seen God any time the only God who is in the bosom of the Father he can represent him he can show him to you and you will not die let me compare Moses and Jesus i hope the jewish people can see this nature moses human jesus divine became human Kind of mediator, Moses was flawed. Jesus was perfect. Spear of influence, Moses was a blessing to Israel in his time. Jesus was a blessing to all people, Jews and Gentiles for all time. Success, Israel only reached the promised land. But in Jesus, all the redeemed will reach the new heaven and the new earth this is why the writer of hebrews said but now jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant because the covenant with moses the covenant of god with israel has been broken again and again but the covenant made with jesus will never be broken. He has sealed the covenant on the cross once and for all time. This is why the Apostle Paul made the declaration. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. There is one God and and how many? One mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, and why was he the only mediator? He gave himself as a ransom for all. Let me give you a news. You know that there is a proposal in the Vatican to declare two mediators. Jesus as the mediator and Mary as a mediatrix. And that proposal is coming from the Philippines. Say, mga Pilipino, talagang mahal na mahal natin si Mary. But what will you do with that? There is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Where will you support or get? That's why the Vatican has not approved it yet. They have to find a way how to make that happen. They have to twist the scriptures. We learn about this again and again in Breadcom by grace. You and I are saved. And we can appropriate that grace by faith. This is not from yourselves. Meaning, grace is not a result of our efforts, of our intelligence. This is not from yourself. The grace of God that saves is a gift from God, it is free. It is not from works so that no one can boast. Hindi natin kailangan bayaran. Hindi natin kailangan maghataw ng maghataw sa likod pagka na araw. Hindi natin kailangan mangakunang kung ano-ano sa Diyos para pagpalain niya tayo. Hindi kailangan. Kasi ang biyaya at ang blessing ni God ay ibinibigay na regalo na gift. So let me read to you Ephesians 3.8. Paul said to me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles what? The unfathomable riches of Christ. The unfathomable riches of Christ. A.W. Tozer wrote, the same grace that saved me will save you. Therefore, I recommend if you have slept a little bit and all of us have at some point, just take the plunge into the ocean of God's grace. Of God's grace. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us draw near with confidence Pag nananalangin tayo, humihingi tayo sa JOS. let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hindi tayo lumalapit sa Diyos na parang pulubi palagi. Tayo ay lumalapit sa Diyos bilang mga anak. At dapat meron tayong kumpiyansa na pag tayo sa JOS, tayo ay didinggin niya at bibiyayaan niya kung tayo may mga pangangailangan. Pero pastor, salbahi talaga ako eh. Talagang mahina ako. Talagang mamaya lang magwawala na naman ako eh. Paul wrote in Second Corinthians 12.9, My grace is sufficient for you. Your weaknesses Your limitations why don't you allow the grace of God to empower you so that you will feel that you are victorious let us pray our God we thank you that you have manifested your amazing grace in the past through Moses and through the lives of the Israelites that though they were stubborn, stiff-necked, hard-headed, Lord, because you made a commitment, you still brought the new generations to the promised land. Lord, we are confronted by many challenges nowadays in our health, in our finances, in our relationships, Lord, even in the political arena in this nation, but thank you for giving us that promise that our God, the awesome God, the mighty God, is not disabled. We may have limitations, but the unfathomable reaches of the grace of Christ can raise us up, can raise up our families, can raise up our church, and can raise up this nation. Lord, I pray there is anyone here who is going through depression, going through terrible pains. Lord, I pray that this afternoon, that person, in the words of A.W. Tozer, will plunge into the ocean of your grace and discover that you are sufficient. You are more than enough. This is our prayer with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, Amen.